0: Thank you, worship team, for leading us uh, worship this morning. And in today's sermons, I want to preach on unforgiveness. Uh, we have heard a lot on this subject, but I want to specifically focus on a deeper growth in the Lord by letting go of some of the hindrances of life. This roadblock I'm referring to is your unforgiveness. We'll be looking into the parable of the un- unmerciful servant. Uh, specifically only the first two verses, which is verses 21 and 22. And then we walk through the text found in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, the story of God's unconditioned forgiveness. And let us pray. Father Lord, we're thankful today, this morning, you give given us, uh, us an opportunity uh, to come into your presence to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for a time that we can listen to the words, I pray God, today. Your message will speak to us, O Lord. Pray for our undivided attention. To allow us, O Lord, to enjoy uh, this moment they've given us. Praise you. Thank you. In your name I pray. As you're finding Matthew uh, chapter 18, I want to ask you a question How long has it been since somebody hurt your feelings? Rip you off? Stolen from you? Slander you? or gossip about you, or just plain offended you. If you live long enough, sooner or later, you're going to be hurt by somebody you counted on could be your best friends. One of the young pastors found this out in his first pastoral job in a church. Just one month into his first pastoral job as assistant pastor of a church in New England, Dr. Rod Raymer got a taste of a long and winding journey. The church secretary came into his office and asked, do you know John Smith? Rod Reimer replied, no, I don't think I have met him. The secretary said, I saw him at breakfast this morning and John Smith told me you were in an affair. John, who? Who is this guy trying to spread rumors about me? And then two weeks later, Someone else came to Rod Rima, and asked, do you know John Smith? He replied, no. But I'm starting to know him, and why are you asking me about John Smith? This person said, I was talking to John Smith the other day, and he said you stole money from the church. Dr. Rima said, what? This is pretty messed up. A couple more weeks later, more people came and reported to Dr. Rimmer that John Smith was spreading lies about him. This time, Dr. Rimmer was angry. Do not get me wrong. Pastors are human too. They do get angry. And a little while later, this district superintendent called up Dr. Rimmer. Do you know John Smith? He said, not really. But I heard a lot about him. The superintendent said, well, John Smith called him and told me that you are in an affair and you have stolen money from the church. I know it is not true, but I just called to tell you to watch your back. For whatever reasons, this guy is out to get you and you are not the first pastor John Smith has come after. So a bad thought was playing in Dr. Rima's head. If I see John Smith, I'm going to confront him with Matthew chapter 18, and I'm going to bring the matter to the leadership of the church, and if he doesn't repent, I'm going to press charges against him for character defamation. He was deeply troubled and hurt by John Smith, a habitual troublemaker in the church. So what do you do when people have deeply hurt you? What if they do not own up to it? and they will not repent. The Bible has the answer. The answer may be uncomfortable to you, but it is clear in Scripture that we must forgive them. Here is how Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verses 7. He says, Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom the offenses comes. Plain and simple. You are going to be offended, and you are going to be offend others. Jesus said, for offenses must come. It is a part of being in the human race. Friends betray us. Parents abuses us. A spouse may be unfaithful to us. Maybe an employee robs us blind. Or maybe a pastor has let you down. For offenses must come. They are going to come, and sometimes, often, you may not be able to stop them, but you can forgive them. And you may say, forgive them? No way. If you knew what they did, what they say, and how they treated me, you would know why I cannot forgive them and why I want to get even. Let me tell you this. There is freedom in forgiving. In other, on other hands. There's also bondage in not forgiving. Refusing to forgive will quench the Spirit of God, hinders your prayer life, and rob the church of what God once quoted. Freedom or bondage, your choice, is up to you. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about in this 18th chapter of Matthew. We have a duty to forgive. Jesus was saying to Peter that to follow him, is to to forgive like him. In verse 21, again, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, do not be too hard on Peter. He was just trying to be spiritual. You see, the Old Testament law taught that if somebody hurt you, offended you, abused you, that you were obligated to forgive them three times. So forgiveness was limited to three times or three strikes you're out. So Peter passed up to seven times. was very impressive. I mean, Peter doubled what the law required and added one to it. It was as if Peter... Was playing a mathematical game with Jesus. I'm sure Peter was anticipating Jesus to pat him on the back for being so spiritual. But look what Jesus said to him in verse 22 I did not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. That is 490 times. Jesus was saying that when somebody offends you, hurts you, your feelings, talk bad about you behind your back, and you find out about it if you're obligated to forgive them 490 times. It is your duty as a child of God to forgive those who offended you. Now, I can sum up this parable in one sentence. If you're going to follow Jesus, then you must be willing to forgive like Jesus. In his last years as president of Kenya, Jomo Kenyatta, gave the BBC an interview. The interviewer recalls meeting Mr. Kenyatta in his daughter's house over dinner. Mr. Kenyatta told them that during a time when the British ruled Kenya, the British accused him of being head of the Mau Mau, and of course, he disliked the British. There were all kinds of guerrilla activities going on, and many deaths, and many people were murdered. And when the British finally decided to pull the flag down, and turn it over to the people. Mr. Kenyatta was elect- elected as the president of Kenya. In his first speech, he got up on the radio and he addressed the nation. The British were afraid and frightened to what he, he would say because they thought there may be a great slaughter of British people. And towards the end of the speech, Mr. Kenyatta has something to say to those people who have heard him deeply, I forgive you, you have accused me of many things and you put me in prison and I have suffered much and he said but I want you to know I forgive you will you forgive me, and all of Kenya, there was a relaxation and people were praying and thanksgiving were given on two sides because they were forgiving each other And Kenya has become one of the great countries in all of Africa because one man dares to stand up to ask the people to forgive him. Hope was restored to the people of Kenya. Now, I want to bring up a written account in the Old Testament about a man who had done many terrible things. And when he cried out to God, God forgave him. The account is taken from 2 Chronicles chapter 33, it's a long chapter, I'm not going to read that, about this man, I think, which is very wicked. His name is Manasseh. He was a son of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was one of the best king of Judah, of Israel, they ever had. He led mightily for his people. He brought reform and turned the people back to God. And then it came time for Hezekiah to die, and he prayed, O God, Please, don't let me die. Please, O Lord, spare my life. So the Lord spared him for 15 years. And in that 15 years period was born Manasseh, who became the wickedness of all the kings in Judah and Israel. Manasseh became the king at the age of 12. And he set himself to undo the good things that his father has accomplished. He was a very wicked man. The Bible says that Manasseh was guilty of some of the worst idolatries in the history of all Israel and Judah. He set up gods everywhere, even in the temple of God. Other gods where people worship and, and idolatry is anything that comes between you and God. Yourself self is preferred over God. And so for all of us here, we can say in one sense, we have been guilty of one type or another of idolatry. No, God hates idolatry more than any other sense. And under the law of Moses, a man can be stoned to death for engaging in idolatry. The second thing Manasseh was guilty of is immorality. He built altars of Asherah, Baal, and Kimish, a wild and obscene orgies they had. Priests would cut and beat themselves and then commit immorality themselves with the temple prostitute. And then, Manasseh had religion too. Manasseh also worshipped images in disobedience to the second commandments. Manasseh made Israel raise up altar for Baal and make groves and worship all the hosts of heaven and serve them. All the people were worshippers. They worshipped the stars, and they were deeply involved in the depths of what we might call today astrology. But more than that, today we may think that it is an innocent game. But to the people of that day, it is not an innocent game. It is their religion, and God condemned it. And then Manasseh was a murderer, not just an ordinary murderer, but Manasseh was cold-blooded in 2 Kings. Chapter 21, verse 16, Scripture recorded that Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another, besides the sin that he had made Judah to sin, so that they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And tradition tells us that Manasseh had Isaiah the prophet tied in between two trees and have him cut into two pieces. That's how wicked and terrible Manasseh was. And then he was also a traitor. He betrayed his own country. He betrayed God and betrayed every trust. He defied God and led his nation into idolatry. Manasseh went beyond the sins of other nations that God has blotted out. And God was warning Manasseh all the time. And finally, judgment was going to fall on Manasseh. And God say, I'm bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, and that whoever hears it, both his ears is going to tingle. That's in 2 Kings, chapter 21, verse 12. Now, God's judgment fell, and Jerusalem was captured. And all the things they collected, and all the money, silver and gold, was carried over to Babylon. He was carried in chains. In the... 800 miles journey to Babylon and he was put in the dark damn dungeon by himself and in the dark dungeon there he was for the lashing conscience and tormenting memories he had time to reflect upon his evil deeds do you know what Manasseh did? he began to repent he asked God to forgive him if you were God would you forgive him? Would you forgive a man that has done as much as he has done? He has made blood run in Jerusalem, all across the street, as high as the horse's leg. He has sown the prophet Isaiah into two. He has taken his own sons and gave it to one of the gods to sacrifice. Would you forgive him, even if he asked for forgiveness? Many of us would not able to do it. But you do not know God. You never know the depths of the love of God, the mercy, and the forgiveness of God. It is hard for us to understand it. But do you know what God did? God forgave him. When he was in prison, he turned to God, whom he should have turned to years ago to lead Judah in great revival. But he did not do it. In 2 Chronicles 33, verse 12, Manasseh began to pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. He sought the Lord, his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his father and prayed to him. And this great God of mercy heard Manasseh's cry, because the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. That's from Numbers chapter 14. Verse 18. And in 2 Chronicles, chapter 30, verse 9, he says, The Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. And Psalms 86, verse 5 says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. God forgave Manasseh, But more than that, do you know what God did after he forgave Manasseh? He restored him to the throne in Jerusalem and became king again. Can you imagine that? Manasseh's prosperity was restored. God forgave his sins. His heart was renewed. He turned from his former sins. He took away the strange gods and idols out of the house of God. He repaired the altar of the Lord. And make sacrifice of thanks and peace offerings. And he commanded his people to serve the Lord God of Israel. If God can do that for Manasseh, he will do it for you and more. On the evening of June 17, 2015, a mass shooter took the lives of nine African American people at a Bible study at Emmanuel African Methodist Church in Charleston. South Carolina. The massacre at the historical black church deeply shook this nation. Those people who were shot and killed included the senior pastor who is also a state senator. What makes this crime so heinous is that for nearly an hour prior to the attack, the shooter had been present and participating in Bible study. A lot of, a total of 13 people attended the Bible study including the shooter himself. According to the accounts of people who talked to survivors, the shooter asked for Mr. Pinckney and sat down next to him, initially listening to others during the study, and then he started to disagree when he began discussing the scriptures. Eventually, he stood up and pulled a gun from his backpack. The first victim was an 87-year-old grandmother named Lucy Jackson, Jackson's nephew, 26-year-old, Iwanza uh, Sanders, tried to talk, talk him down and asked him why he was attacking churchgoers. The shooter responded, I have to do it. You rape our women, and you're taking over our country. He also reportedly said, you all want something to pray about? I'll give you something to pray about. He reloaded his gun. Five times, and in the end, nine born-again Christians lost their lives. Dylan Roof, very calmly, walked out of the church and drove off, and he was arrested the next day. Roof is white, and all the victims are black, he told investigators. He did this to start a race war, according to one of the officers. Let's pause for a moment and summarize the account. Nine people died in that rampage. The victims are churchgoers, and they were having an ordinary Bible study on that night. How do you react to this situation if it happens to this church? I'm sure you have every right to hate Dylan Roof, and you would make sure that he will rot in jail. And then I was reading the victims' reactions a few days later, uh, I fought back my emotions and then I stopped to ponder about what they say in the aftermath. On Friday, when Dylan Roof appeared in court at a bond hearing, families of the victims all came and looked into Dylan's eyes and addressed him We forgive you. Arthur Hurt, the husband of victim Cynthia Hurt, say, Hates not in me. It is all surreal. But what I can say to that young man is that in time, I will forgive you. I won't move past this, but I will forgive you. But I hope for the rest of your life, however long or short that may be, you stop and play the tape over, and over and over again in your head and see the sheer terror and pain you put purely innocent people through. I would love to hate you, but hate's not in me. If I hate you, I'm no better than you. And a daughter of either land say, I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you. And have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God forgives you. And I forgive you. And Felicia Sanders, mother of victims, DeWanda Sanders, in the survival of the church shooting her, say that every fiber in my body hurts. And I will never be the same again. As we say in the Bible study while you are sitting there, we say we enjoy having you. She said of Ruth, but may God have mercy on you. Wow, those were very powerful statements. The victim's family chose to forgive rather than to be bitter over Dylan Ruth. Why? It is good to know that the word of God still works whenever our hearts are open to hear the truth. We need to hear this truth over and over again because we need to be forgiven and we need to learn how to forgive. Archbishop, Desmond Tutu, say this. Without forgiveness, there's no future. We can add to the statements in several ways without changing its basic meanings. Without forgiveness, there's no freedom. Without forgiveness, there's no recovery. Without forgiveness, there is no healing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you." This is what Ephesians 4, verse 32 says. Plainly, plainly says. We are to forgive as God has forgiven us. Carol Hotner pointed out that the word forgive in Greek word meaning be gracious. It means we are to extend grace to others as God has extended grace to us. That is grace to us and grace to others. This is God's plan. And I hope for this year Make it a point to grow deeper in the Lord by letting go of your bitterness. And this is the word of God. And God wants you to release all the bitterness you have been carrying all this year. Come to him and let him take over. And let him bless you. And let him give you him, back the joy that once you had. And let God be the one to give you peace, joy, happiness again. Let us pray. Father Lord, we are thankful for your word. Your word has spoken. Today, Lord, the word is unforgiveness, And I pray, Lord, that you help us if we are still harboring unforgiveness to the person that hurt us. I pray, God, that you give us the strength that you help us, Lord, to learn to forgive just like the way you forgive people just like manasseh well, he's done so many terrible things and when he pray and ask you lord forgive you forgive not only just forgiven you restore him same thing here god i pray for those people now church that's harboring unforgiveness that you've helped them give them back the life i pray all this in jesus name. amen